for the evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion in the way, kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed in scripture and in the breaking of the bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. On Thursday, um, I got together for lunch with an old, old friend of mine that I hadn't seen for, we hadn't been together for probably a month, I think. We try to get together monthly. And um, he's a dear friend. And so we were catching up, just, you know, what's been going on and kind of where are you today? And, um, and he told me, he's, he was telling me about an experience that he had during their Easter vigil. And he said, he, we, he, we were just talking about the importance of hanging on through life. And he said um, that he said he lives for these moments because they, they, they carry him from, from the highs to the highs and the lows to the lows. They keep him moving through them. And he described to me how there was a a specific moment in Easter Vigil, and he couldn't even label it anymore. He didn't know what exactly was happening, but he had this profound sense of the presence of heaven and earth coming together here in this one place. And as he was trying to describe what inevitably is an ineffable experience, something that cannot be put into words, he was telling me these things and his eyes started to well up with tears and his voice started to shake a little bit and um, and he could not convey in words the experience of being brought into the presence of heaven and earth merged together right then but I could see it in his tears. I could see it. He had seen something. Have you had those moments? The, um, the book of Hebrews reminds us that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And they're all witnesses from the past. But we are surrounded, it says. And we pray in the liturgy and we say with the angels and the archangels and all the company of heaven, we proclaim this hymn and then we sing what Isaiah heard in his glorious vision of the temple. When he comes face to face with the overwhelmingly frightening, glorious, loving power of God. And what he hears sing or sung at that moment we sing at the table. And I think of my friend's tears. And I think about how much we need a picture, like a glimpse of what's coming.
The road to Emmaus is such an amazing story, I think, because it's about journeys, and it's not just one journey. It's journeys. These two men, these two men, and I want you, we, we, we call the story the road to Emmaus, but it strikes me that maybe we should be talking about where it's the road from. They're walking away from Jerusalem. They are walking away from the temple and the footstool of God. They are walking away from the palace and the throne of the son of David. They are walking away from the city of peace, the city of David. And they are walking away. And they don't know. They think they're walking away from the old Jerusalem, and they don't realize that they're walking away from the new Jerusalem. They think that they are walking through a land of death and fallenness and decay, and they don't understand that they are walking in the very first day of the resurrection, that they are walking in the midst of the kingdom come, that they are walking in the midst of life that will never end and that has the absolute final word, and they don't know it. And Jesus comes and starts to walk beside them. And it says their eyes were kept from recognizing them. That's some one of the most painful sentences in the Gospel of Luke for me. They were walking in mourning, and Jesus comes next to them, and their eyes were kept from recognizing him. I don't know why at Easter Vigil my friend had this amazing vision this awareness that brought tears to his eyes, and I was hungry. And some of you were thirsty. I don't, I don't know why God opens eyes and allows sometimes our eyes to be kept closed. But I know that Jesus walked with them. They walked in a journey of darkness. And it says there are three moments where it talks about what they're, what's going on for them emotionally on the inside. It's down in verse 17. Jesus asks, hey guys, what's going on? And they looked to him and they stood still looking sad. They stood in the midst of the resurrection, in the presence of the glorious Christ, looking sad. And I can't help but wonder what was in Jesus' heart at that moment as he recognized in their eyes what was happening in their hearts. Sometimes we're, our eyes are closed for reasons we'll never know. 
but sometimes it's the sorrow in our hearts that closes our eyes. As with these two sorrowing men, we stand still, looking sad. And with them, we need a glimpse. Oh, we, we need a glimpse. A little bit down after Jesus, Jesus asked them and, and they tell what happened. And they speak of their Lord crucified. But it's not just the loss of a person and a friend. It was a loss of all their hopes. It was the death of dreams. It was the death of the possibility that maybe something better is out in this dark and fallen world. Verse 21, but we had hoped. You don't even need to go on any further. Those words right there. But we had hoped that something different was happening. And he's gone. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And what's implied there is their hope has been crushed. Their hope has been crushed. Sometimes our eyes are kept for mysterious reasons closed. Sometimes sorrow blinds them. And sometimes we just plain lose hope. And Jesus is there. And he tells them, he reads to them from the scriptures and explains to them what has happened. And then you hear the cry of their heart. And maybe this is the cry of my heart today, and I hope it's the cry of yours. I may not recognize you every time, but oh, Will you stay with us? For it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. Personally, I like the King James versions of this line. Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. Do you hear the, do you hear the, the difference in light and dark? day and night and hope and that which was thought lost. Stay with us, will you please? For it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. For the two saints, the journey from Jerusalem and the road to Emmaus is a road without a vision. And then the evening light comes. And then the evening light comes. Jesus went in to stay with them, it says. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it 
and he gave it to them. The most mundane object in life is bread. It's what you serve as the filler. Nobody remembers the bread after the meal. Nobody compliments the chef on the bread. That's what you dip in the, the stew and eat. It's the sop. It's the stuff of life because it's mundane. And Jesus takes that which is the most mundane thing of life, bread, and then he does one of the most mundane actions in life. He says a table grace, and he breaks it. You do that every day. Every day. The most mundane thing we eat. And Jesus takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it. And then he gave it to them. And I want to make this clear. It's the most mundane gift you can give. Nobody gets real excited about a loaf of bread. Doesn't that say something about our God? Does that say something about our God? He who chose enslaved nation in Egypt and decided they will be my people, not the Egyptians, not the powerful, not the world's conquering people. No, I'll, I'll choose the enslaved ones. The one who chose death to be his means of victory and a colt and a donkey to be his triumphal entry. The one who chose that which is foolish in the eyes of the world, the poor, the lame. That God comes to us on the first day of a new creation and does all things mundane and he hands it to them and their eyes are opened and they see and they finally learn, and they finally know that death does not have the last word. No more. No more will tombs stay locked. No more will tears rain. No more will the hard-hearted rule the world and our workplaces. No more will conflicts over meaningless things dominate our lives. No more will sorrows and blindness or hopelessness reign supreme. No more. That is what it means to receive the bread and have their eyes open. It is finished because Christ is risen. And then he vanished. And then he vanished. That's a tough one too, isn't it? Jesus, we walked seven miles away from Jerusalem and we get one momentary glimpse and you're gone. 
And they looked at one another and said, Oh, did not our hearts burn? As he opened the scriptures to us, did our hearts not burn? You know what else I love about this? Jesus doesn't choose passing things when he reveals himself. So this is what I mean. He opened their hearts to the scriptures. He he opened their minds so they understood things. Do you know what I love? I love when I'm at church and someone is given a great sermon and like, I was like, I never thought of that. And like, it, it just like stirs my mind and ideas start. But you know what? I, I, want, I want you to hear this. If you're really bored right now, please hear this. Their eyes weren't opened when Jesus opened their minds to the scriptures. Like their, their minds turned on and it was a glorious thing. But their eyes didn't recognize him. I love when we have powerful music. Twelve years I was a church planner and you know who did music? And I can tell you it's not what you get every Sunday. I love coming in and hearing so you know if if there was a moment if there was a where's my bulletin if there was a moment during the Easter vigil that suddenly I felt like I had a glimpse in a vision it was when we were singing the song about the the child and the lullaby do you remember the song the lullaby that the the, the mother is singing to her frightened child and at the last the last the last verse says um, that the child fell asleep while its mother sang on until her bridegroom returned. But you know what? Their hearts burned within them, but they didn't recognize Jesus, did they? I love when my emotions are stirred in church, but friends... That's just a blessing. That's one of the benefits. That's just God being nice. It's in the breaking of the bread. It's when Jesus gives himself. And you may not have your mind stirred in the moment. And you may not have your emotions stirred in the moment. And you may not even realize it. But the same Lord who on Monday, Thursday took bread and then gave it to the disciples and on the first, which is his last day in the old creation, and the same Lord who on the first day of his new creation took bread and gave it to the disciples every Sunday gives himself in the mundane so that we might see him. Whether our emotions or our minds get it, 
or not. We come forward. You know, one of my sons at a dinner table the other, it was like maybe two weeks ago, we were having a conversation, and he said, you know, the thing I've noticed about life, I'm starting to notice, is that some lessons I feel like I'm always learning. I was like, bingo, that is, that is life, boys, that is it. Oh. Half of parenting, especially when you've got toddlers, is teaching lessons to children that they're not developmentally able to learn yet. But you better start teaching them now, right? You keep that process going. They learn as toddlers, and then they're learning until they're old people. At least I am. I think Jesus broke bread and opened their eyes and then called his people to do this in remembrance of me because he knows that we're ever, ever, ever learning. And he wants us to learn that he is ever, ever, ever revealing himself and giving himself and nourishing you. And so the road to Emmaus, the journey from Jerusalem, isn't just about those two men and their Lord. It's about all of us, because we're all walking on that road. And unless you've got something way up on me on spiritual maturity, my belief is that we all have moments of darkness, of hopelessness. We all have moments standing still and looking sad. The most vital, important thing you can do is keep coming to the table where he gives himself. Don't ever, ever, ever stop coming. When we stop coming to the table, we wither in hunger when we stop coming to the table, we lose the vision. When we stop coming to the table, we stop coming here to each other. And this is where the Lord is. Not primarily this building, but these fallen people, you and me. The broken, the unloved, that which is not. Because that's where Jesus chose to be. I need a vision. That's the God's honest truth. I need a vision, and I'm guessing as I look out at you that there are those of you out there who need it desperately too. And so on Jesus' behalf, can I say to you, welcome to the table, brothers and sisters. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.